0: ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Thanks for joining us here on Future Sense and good morning to Steve McDonough, my co-host. And good morning, Nick. Lovely to see you this morning. Good uh, to be here once again. Big weekend that we've all been having. Uh, yeah. I went to, I uh, just thought I'd mention there because she mentioned the, the, uh, the vocal uh, on there about marriage and I just wanted to give acknowledgement to Kevin James and Susanna who were married yesterday. Many people in this region know Kevin very well, of course, and congratulations to them. It was a lovely little ceremony uh, down in, um, over there, Serene Earth Sanctuary. So congratulations to them and uh, made a very happy couple. It's a kind of a rare thing in this time of Disruption, and change, and sweet, yeah, very sweet. Um, but here we are this morning uh, on Future Sense, and um, we're going to tackle some new or different or another approach to uh, to the complexity of, of change that's occurring on the planet. What we're we going to look at this morning? I thought we'd have a look at the emerging paradigm at the moment,
1: and just uh, feel into perhaps the next decade or so, and some of the things that we can expect to see how the the change, this big global shift that's going on, is going to progress as we see the, the sort of ongoing collapse of our social systems, which have come from an age before the internet, the scientific industrial era, mm. and uh, how the complexity, the growing complexity globally is slowly making those systems less efficient, mm. uh, and they're burning themselves out, and we're seeing the rise of something very new in this uh, sixth layer of consciousness, according to Claire Graves' model, mm. the, uh, the human humanistic Network relativistic centric, relativistic paradigm, yeah. Mm. And, um, yeah, so let's, let's unpack some of the themes and changes that are happening and some of the influences that are uh, affecting the way that uh, the world is changing, society is changing, and indeed we are changing ourselves mm. as
0: individuals. Indeed. And, of course, as that change is coming upon us, moving through society, culture, the world, everything, there is, of course, an enormous amount of resistance to change, as there always is. And uh, we'll be looking at many of those resistance uh, elements that uh, we see all over the newspapers and in most of our sort of socio-cultural space now.
1: That's right, all sorts of tension. You know, you've got pushback from the old system that doesn't want to lose control. You've yeah. got the desire of the people who are moving into this new way of thinking, the new value set who want to get rid of the old systems. Uh, and, of course, you've got these parallel changes that are taking place around us in our environment with things like the species extinction, uh, climate change... And even our solar systems transit into new parts of the galaxy. Mm. All, of, all of those things are, are interconnected and overlapping. Mm. Yeah.
0: And you know, acknowledging, of course, that in that the space of this kind of change, there is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of overwhelm that can come to many people and uh, I've, I've experienced that over this weekend. I was talking to Steve before we started today about the many things that we're researching, that I'm researching, that I'm looking at, the connections that are occurring in me regarding that and, and then the bigger picture beyond that. And occasionally, sometimes it's just too much that, uh, that uh, is factored in or needs to be factored or feels like it's part of the equation. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that in one way or the other, too.
1: I think so, too. And it's, it's great to explore that, Nick. You know, I think it's yes. really valuable for you to talk about your personal experiences because, as you say, a lot yeah. of people are going through it. And it's a, you know, th- these are things that are brought up by the increasing complexity of life in general, the different things that yeah. we have to consider, the things that we're aware of, and the things that we're trying to make sense of in new ways and moving from our older sort of. Linear but multiplistic way of assessing things and thinking about them logically and sorting out what's best for me in the future. Yes. Beyond that, into this more complex network-centric way of perceiving and trying to make sense of the world mm. where we're drawing the dots between all of these things and creating this network within our minds mm. uh, and then looking for a new way of, of working out what's best for us, which in the, the emerging paradigm really comes down to having a trusted network of peers and then bouncing things off our peers and and coming to some sort of consensus around how things should be.
0: Mm. And that Desire that need for connection, which of course has always been there in humanity. Naturally, we're we're a, a sociocentric species to a large degree, but nevertheless, there seems to be a, a very strong desire now for connection, both internally, as you're saying, with the networks within one's own being, mm. but also externally in your social cultural setting. Yes, and trying to find those places where you do feel like you're settled into a tribe, so to speak. I hesitate to use that word sometimes, but. No, has absolutely. Up the references.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and you know, and that itself is a reflection of this large, <laughs> long-term pattern that we see as we move between paradigms uh, throughout our history, and we swing between an individual focus where we're looking for individual freedom and to express mm-hmm. ourselves and to change the world around us to fit with what we want or what we need. And then when the pendulum swings back the other way, uh, it's the opposite. We look for community where we're feeling too alone and we want to connect, mm-hmm. we want to rebuild community, and we want to adjust ourselves to fit with you know the community's needs and, and the way the community works. And so in terms of the dominant global paradigm, that pendulum is swinging back towards community right now. Yeah.
0: And of course, I personally experience, and I'm sure many of you out there experience both, You know, the desire also for the personal, for the individual expression, and the desire desire very strongly to be set in and settled in a community, into a tribe like that. And both can be existent at the same time too, can't they? Uh,
1: Absolutely, because these uh, value systems are nested inside one another. So as we grow through them as individuals, you know, we grow through an individual value set, then a communal value set, then another individual value set. And the old value sets don't go away. They're nested inside of us and they're there uh, to be referenced and to be rolled out when our life conditions demand. And, And so... Uh, as we develop further and, and as our species evolves, we're adding more and more layers, which increases the complexity. And each time a new layer is added, we know we have to readjust our, our way of operating, our way of interpreting reality, our yeah. way of living to make account for the fact that we've got an extra value set layered over the top now of all these other ones that yeah. have been there.
0: I mean, this this idea, of course, is, is perhaps a little bit difficult or hasn't been thought through enough by enough people. The notion that we're not about discarding the past, uh, that, that making wrong previous iterations of human consciousness and experience and awareness doesn't actually get us to the full growth that we're capable of. We actually do need to somehow transcend what's come before but also included. I think this is one of the most difficult things for many people to to, uh, get a hold of inside themselves. Yes, and it's it's not common at the moment because that
1: understanding, that way of making Mm. sense of it all, really comes with the transition into second tier consciousness, which we discussed on the last show. And so only a very small percentage of people on the planet have made that transition so far. And the personal experience in the first tier of consciousness, that is the first six layers that Claire Graves' model describes, the personal experience is then when we emerge into a new value set, we do want to discard the old values. Yep. They don't seem to work anymore, so we want to get rid of them and we want to live this new way. You know, that's the personal experience that people have.
0: And of course, uh, at an extreme, we make them wrong. We go to battle with them. We, uh, you do. know, we, we try and defeat them and push them down and uh, destroy wars. them somehow. Culture wars. Yeah. And um, I guess on this program, we we're suggesting that that's not the optimal way for our future to emerge. Here, we actually do need to do. Well, it, include.
1: It, it's not the optimal way unless it actually is the optimal way, and and this is the paradox, right? Because our value sets are an adaptation to our life conditions, mm. and when our life conditions are just so, mm. then mm. a particular value set mm. will also be exactly right. Yeah. So um, the you know, and we don't get visibility of these layers of values, really, until we pop into that second tier of consciousness. I mean, we can talk about them, you can yeah. listen to us talk about them, and you can kind of write it down on paper, but the, the actual direct experience of, of feeling it, seeing it, interpreting it and making sense of it doesn't fall into place until you transition into the second tier. So it's, it's kind of problematic and paradoxical, and it, it seems
0: confusing until it's not. Thank you very much. Beautiful. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good deal. Um, I, I guess I can't enter that. Well, you can enter that. Why? Why can't you? Well, because I'm, I'm on the committee. On the oh, pres- yes, I'm the president of yeah, right, the Station, right. apparently. Yeah, that's right. El pres just I saw you in a magazine. <laughs> I know. I was in, in a. Bar- <laughs> yeah, folks, check out Byron Life magazine. It it I'm in there. Featured in uh, Byron Life magazine, which is a new glossy magazine that mm-hmm. we have up here. I always wanted to be in a glossy magazine. Mm. Actually, I actually had a glossy magazine here for a couple of issues back years ago. Did you? I edited, published one. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. yeah. been wondering which glossy magazine it was. <laughs> hey, 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 settle down, settle down. Uh, that's uh, that's regressive. Um, how are we doing? So we're talking today Today. About uh, particularly about the change in Clare W. Graves' work from the multiplistic to the, to the relativistic yes. segments of uh, of his model, the layers, um, and that's, that's right. five and six. And five is the one which most of the world has been in for most of the last few hundred years. Now, let's talk first about the slingshot effect and remind our listeners who don't listen to the shot about that uh, that part of this uh, this equation, this model.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very important part of yeah. this discussion because it's something that's not widely understood, which is the the path or trajectory of change, when we go through a paradigm shift, we go through this period of regression, which involves a regressive search to find values that will work in the face of the complexity of the mm. current times. And uh, we have been living life, as you said, according to uh, layer five in Graves' model, which is the best known as the modern scientific industrial paradigm. Mm. And that's been fine for a few hundred years, but now we're finding that the systems that were designed during that time seem to be breaking down. And it's very, very obvious, uh, of course, in our political systems, where we're finding that the leaders who are rising to the top of our uh, governments, our particularly our nation, national and state governments, don't seem to be cutting it, and uh, we as we the people don't seem to have enough influence in order to change things that we see need to be changed Mm. within those systems, and that's just one example. There are many, many different other social systems, particularly economic systems also, Mm. which are obviously feeling the strain and starting to fail. Uh, And so when we're faced with that, uh, because in that moment we don't have any visibility into the future of what our future values will be, the only thing that we can really do is to look backwards and say, okay, well maybe there's a set of values somewhere in our past which is going to work better in this situation so we we look back to the last way that we used to live in, and in in this case at a global level this this is the uh, authoritarian agricultural era values which were much more rigid they always had a, a very clear set of rules to live life by whether those rules were you know some sort of uh, large-scale socially ag- agreed set of rules or a set of religious rules yeah uh, usually some kind of simple set of rules. Uh, And if you followed the rules, then everything would be fine and you would be eventually rewarded for doing that. And in in a religious system, of course, the reward was often in the afterlife that you followed Mm -hmm. God's rules and then you would be rewarded when you go to heaven or wherever you go. And so we're seeing a lot of that come up. You know, We're seeing a lot of these old values getting thrown up by our political leaders and and other social leaders. And uh, the interesting thing about it is that Evolution has brought us to this point where we follow this trajectory and we go back to old values in times when change is needed and those old values never solve our problems. But what they do do is they create more tension for change. Mm -hmm. They pull the elastic Mm -hmm. band tighter on that slingshot uh, and when we reach the the tipping point, uh, then we have much more motivation to move forward and create change because things become so bad that it actually triggers
0: our... Right. Yeah. So more and more people are feeling this this tension and are feeling this uh, this dissatisfaction with this movement back to these older values yeah. in, in in response to very difficult and overwhelming circumstances and very uh, complex problems on the planet of all sorts. Uh, and in doing so, people uh, start to go, well, there's got to be some other way. I've got a revolution may occur, anarchy can occur. That's right. Uh, yeah. All sorts of responses from from humans who collectively come together and go, well, this is not good enough. So and we're seeing this in many movements. We, right we are.
1: On. And typically, historically, these paradigm yeah. shifts have been called revolutions. Yes. Uh, and and uh, of course, we can look back to the scientific revolution, the industrial revolution. Mm. And, you know, those th- things... Weren't without some kind of pain. Of course, you know, a revolution involves having to bust out of some kind of restrictive situation that you find yourself in, Mm. and uh, and of course there's inevitable conflict between those who still hold the old values and those who hold the new values. Mm. And uh, just in the last couple of days over the weekend, you know, I was listening to a conversation uh, where somebody was saying real words to the effect of, you know, we have to fight this old system. And even though the emerging value set, which is this layer six humanistic, mm. relativistic set of values, is. is- Essentially non-violent, you know, it's the most peaceful way of being human that's emerged. We're still hearing this language of we have to fight the system. We've got to somehow. It's
0: interesting when you mention the it. word revolution, because of course, in in the context of today, that word revolution is often turned around and and, and called re ocean, you know. The, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, which is very much the green values and it? trying it to is. trying to install that. Yes, revolution, but actually through love, actually that's, through that's softness. Right. And how yeah. do we do that without fighting and battling in the old way? But I think that's a that's a conundrum that many people are facing right now. It, it is.
1: It reminds me of of John Lennon. Yeah. Uh, song, you know, talking about revolution.
0: Yeah. Uh, and he was a great advocate of, uh, of peaceful revolution, of course. Yes, we're just watching a documentary the other day that a mutual friend Russ, uh, Russell gave us uh, about John Lennon at that era uh, when he was involved with all the activists in late 60s, early 70s, New York or early 70s in particular when he moved to America. And uh, clearly <clears throat> way ahead of his time, if, if uh, at the same time quite naive also. I mean, he made some friends who basically used him yeah. for, their, uh, for their very revolutionary and, uh, and aggressive uh, political purposes. But that was the era that was that. Was that. that was what it was. It was a resp- It
1: is. It, it's a peculiar circumstance around the emergence of Layer 6, though, because Layer 6 is very permissive. Uh, you know, it believes mm. in freedom of speech, freedom of access, mm. and in the process of doing that, particularly... Uh, I'm not sure whether this is going to be as strong in the future emergence of six, but up until now and in its early stages where there wasn't a lot of layer six thinking around and no good social systems to support it. Like, for example, the internet is a wonderful scaffolding for for supporting this emergence of community. Networks. Layer six typically creates a very permissive environment, and it will, you know, it'll it'll create life conditions around itself that allows everybody to have access and freedom. Mm. And of course, you get other value sets coming in, like for example, exploitative, eye-focused value sets. Uh, which will then take advantage of that, and, and sometimes to the detriment of those layer six.
0: It's Pandora's box, isn't it? That's it it the thing. is. If you open it, up that notion; everybody's free to express exactly what they want to do. Well, that's yeah. great on, on on one level, but as you're saying, it can lead to what we've seen. What we're seeing is uh, incredible ex- exploitation of that space, that freedom to be, uh, to have freedom of speech. And so we've got then the reaction to that of the sort of political correctness. Uh, which is very strong now, and yeah. sort of virtue signalling. This sort of notion of like, well, what are, well, the virtues should be this. We, we, this is the right virtues. That's right. And the tricky thing is it's that complex th-
1: stuff during the the first tier of consciousness. So in layers one through six, whenever yeah. we're living out our whatever our dominant values are, yeah. we tend to make the assumption that everybody else holds these values as well. And that's that's the great risk for the emergence of layer six is this assumption that everybody's going to agree with my values. Yeah. You know, because they're right. Because. Yeah. They're Right. To some degree, exactly, which is, uh, exactly, which
0: is contradictory to actually what six is actually trying to emerge I mean, it's, into. It's,
1: it's, it's problematic, absolutely,
0: problematic. very interesting, fascinating, and it, and it all adds to the
1: evolutionary tension, of course, which is actually what drives us forward. And, uh, it, it, I mean, this is a very important discussion for us to be having at this point in history because, due to the lack of visibility of this trajectory of change and the lack of understanding, you know, we don't get taught this at school um we up until now have been carried along by the turbulent currents of change you know as if we're sort of drifting along the, the river of change and, and we get swirled around and pulled under and, and uh, it, it has been a turbulent ride historically but we are at the point now in history where as a species we have access to good research like for example graves's research that shows us where the currents are mm. you know and where the traps lie in the river as we progress through change and mm. so if we can promote an understanding of that and start to make sense of large-scale change and look for these patterns, it means that we can start to navigate change as a species as well as as individuals uh, in a far more effective
0: and less turbulent way. And with that, we are, aren't we, becoming more capable of uh, facing the complexities and starting to make sense of the complexities within that? Because we, we must do We that. are, yeah. we are, yeah. And we're also heading for
1: a major, major uh, shift mm. with this big leap from first tier to second tier consciousness. And we can anticipate, knowing how these these dynamics work, that we're going to need a very big elastic band and it's going to have to have a lot of tension on it to actually shift consciousness that much, and so right now we can start to anticipate that, and we're still just on the edges and just moving into this uh, global paradigm shift, changing from five to six, and uh, and so we ha- that has to play out. But parallel to that, um, we've still got we've got other changes taking place, like Graves found in his research, some people that had already shifted into seven in the second tier, and even eight back in the 1950s and 1960s. Mm. And so those changes are still going on in the background. It's just that the percentage of people going through those changes isn't enough for us to really notice it much
0: yet. What would you say on, on the percentages thing? And Of course, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to ascertain, but what kind of percentage of people do you think on the planet now currently would be moving into, into layer six, into the green um, part of the model?
1: It's, it's very difficult to put yeah. a figure on it. Uh, the, the only real measure that I've seen that's to some extent useful is the market research by Nielsen, uh, the, the big American survey company. And uh, I remember reading the, the most recent reports that I've really had a look at in any detail of from about 2012, 2013, I think. Uh, and they were talking about up to 40% of the U.S. population who were interested in uh, eco-friendly products yep. and and generally the things that they were describing were describing the, the green value mm, set. Sustainability, so, renewability
0: um, y- yeah. equality
1: y- So you've got to factor in uh, who's actually responding to the Nielsen survey, and that's going to be that's not going to be the whole of society, right? It's going to be a select set of, of, of yeah. consumers, particularly yeah. people with money. So it's probably not forty percent of the entire American population. It's probably much less than that because there would be a certain percentage of the population that just doesn't move in circles that respond to Nielsen surveys. Yeah. yeah right. um, so it's probably overall quite less than forty percent, but it's still a very significant uh, amount, significant enough for Nielsen to say hey, uh, companies take notice of this market segment, it's growing fast and it's quite large. Yeah.
0: And many companies are doing just that in they, one way or the are. other, although yeah. they're often, I, I guess, responding really from uh, the multiplicity from Layer 5 and, and adopting this where we see things like greenwash, I guess. Yes, notion, yeah.
1: exactly. But that's the interesting thing about Layer 5 is it will exploit whatever it can exploit. And, and so it's still a, quite an effective signaling system. If, if Layer 5 thinks that this is worth taking notice of, then it's, it's a good sign that it's there mm-hmm. and it's present. And it's been interesting for me since I... Came across Graves' work in two thousand and three to watch over that time how marketing signals have changed, how the themes that are being used in ads yes. have shifted. You know, and many many years ago, I started to see billboards coming out suggesting that people who were interested in in eco friendly products, you know, were worth advertising to because there was enough of them there. Yeah, yeah. So so it's a a rapidly growing value set globally. Mm. Very difficult to put a figure on it, mm. but um, the when I look at the the sources that I I tend to check regularly in terms of um, providing some useful indications of the change process and the timeline upon which this uh, global shift from five to six is playing out, I, I'm getting the in, an indication that uh, around about 2032 is going to be a significant tipping point, and that may be when we. We see a, a, um, a significant collapse of the dominance of layer five, and yeah. the emergence of layer six as a more influential point. But uh, you know, the, I don't think there's going to be any single tipping point. It's going to be a series of tipping points, yeah. uh, which uh, act as milestones on this progress. Um, and, and very hard for me to say exactly when the you know six is going to be a dominant uh, paradigm. And in fact, I've, I'm leaning towards now thinking that we're not gonna see the kind of global stability that we've had under the modern scientific era during uh, the transition transition period because um, historically these paradigm shifts get shorter and shorter in their duration uh, for for a number of reasons, one of which is that the speed of communication has a direct impact on the speed of change globally. And as our communication has got faster and faster and faster, the time it takes for things to change has got shorter and shorter and shorter. And so indications are that the, the uh, dominance of Layer 6, this humanistic network-centric way of being human, could only be maybe two decades before we shift again into second tier and then it's just a whole new ball game after that.
0: It's it's more of a transition than previous layers have been which have been fully uh, embedded into societies and cultures throughout the planet and driven the the planetary direction but now Layer 6 may be a a, a, a sort of stop along the way, a very important stop of course Yeah, as we sort of, of flatten the hierarchies and we come to sort of that network place to, to start to think uh, much bigger in a, in a systems-oriented that, way. That's right. It's, it's got to provide enough stability f- yeah. for us to, to make this big leap,
1: You know, as it's got a metaphorically been called by, by Graves and others. So there's got to be enough stability there that we can make this big leap into second tier, but it will be a very fast process. Yeah.
0: You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. 9.47 here on BayFM. And, uh, yes, if you haven't completed the BayFM survey, please do be very valuable for us online. It takes about 15 minutes or so if you do it well. We're talking today, I guess, about collapse and renewal, which is always happening. And uh, we are certainly seeing that at the moment, the, the many... Uh, Many areas of human endeavour in society, culture that are that are seeing elements of collapse, or already collapsing, or already have collapsed, and the potential renewal within that, and a lot of uh, one of the results of that, of course, is is what can be termed culture wars. That's right. Yeah, that
1: that uh, term's being thrown around at the moment here mm. in Australia, where in the state that we live in, New South Wales, there's a, a big crackdown by a rather authoritarian government on music festivals, and the, the context of the crackdown mm. is. Uh, around the use of illicit drugs. Um, but the, you know, the real uh, substance of the crackdown is a clash of values. And uh, mm. the older, uh, and, and this, I guess. Because they're the, not talking about
0: alcohol, are they?
1: <laughs> no, 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 that's right. No, no. So for the older, values, you said alcohol is an accepted drug. And yeah. even though it's actually statistically one of the most harmful drugs in society in terms of its harm to people who use it and the people around them. Um, their bias is, you know, this is the this is what we've grown up with. This is our accepted drug, and your drugs are not acceptable simply yeah. because they're not acceptable. That's all, you know. And the and the science tells us the exact opposite. That the uh, many of the drugs that are classed as illicit in in our country and many countries around the world are actually a lot safer. Than and and a lot more beneficial, uh, you know, than the accepted mm. drugs such as alcohol and tobacco, um,
0: in the proper setting. Setting of in, course. In the, pro- in the proper setting, and setting and, and
1: yeah. under under a properly regulated system. Yes. Um, the the problem at the moment is that because they're um, subject to prohibition, they're manufactured by criminals. Uh, the, the people who use them don't uh, no, ever know what they're getting necessarily, and there's there's no purity control. There's no instructions on how to use them like you would get with the pharmaceutical drugs. All of these things are very very problematic. Yeah. And increase the harm uh, unnecessarily, but the, you know when it comes down to it, the the clash is essentially a values clash that, you know, in our values set in our generation, this was acceptable. This is what we use. You have to be like us, uh, and and uh, because they haven't been able to control the supply and the use of illicit drugs they're now turning to the music festivals and say, well, uh, if you want to have your music festival, you've got to pay the police hundreds of thousands of dollars so that we can send lots of police to your music festival uh, and, uh, and try it? and enforce our values on you in the process. I'm
0: uh, trying to set up an interview with Peter Noble of the Blues Festival, he's overseas at the moment, about this issue because he's come out very strongly about uh, about this and saying you move the Blues Festival elsewhere to do so. Well, that's
1: very interesting, yeah, yeah. And, and I've heard uh, in the media the government's response has been that oh no not your festival because of course Blues Fest caters to a different uh cross-section of society than the kind of music festivals that are being targeted, yes. which are much more electronic music in the younger generation, whereas BluesFest is a very broad-spectrum yes, uh, festival.
0: I think they've named 14 festivals in New South Wales which fit into this category of That's right. dangerous festivals. Somewhere. Yeah, and, they, and they've made very sketchy...
1: Well, I'm not sure that they've made much of an attempt at all to really define what their criteria are. Um, it's really just a values judgment yep. um, by the government saying, no, this, this is what we're used to. We don't want what you're used to, and you have to be yeah. like us. I should
0: indeed. mention just quickly, folks, on, on terms of politics with this, the New South Wales uh, Labor Party and, and the Greens have supported this, are supporting this, have announced a $35 million budget to support um, Australian music and music festivals, including $1 million for community radio, which we're hoping to secure a little bit of if they get elected. Yeah. So just to say that, that it's not uh, not uh, part of both sides of uh, politics in terms of the major parties. No, and
1: that's probably smart politics on the yeah, part of the Greens. indeed. It, and also, uh, you know, it's, it's not all bad news either because there has been... Uh, word that the ACT government have now approved yes. another pill testing trial, which yes. which is one way of getting around this whole issue and trying to make these mm. the use of uh, prohibited drugs safer mm. because they can't stop people using them. They can't stop the supply. They've been trying for decades and decades and decades to do that. And we've got to face facts, too, that the origin of prohibition really came... Um, in large part at least, you know, from the, the 1960s and 70s experience in the USA yes, where indeed. people who were using these uh, drugs started to protest against the Vietnam War and the government didn't want people protesting against the Vietnam War. They wanted to be, to be fighting that Richard war. Nixon's got a
0: lot to answer for. He has.
1: Uh, and, and and because of the other um, issues within American society around race issues and those sorts of things, the, the introduction of prohibition gave law enforcement Uh, the ability to enter into someone's premises without a warrant if there was suspicion of drugs on the premises and so that um, gave a lot more freedom of action to the government and their law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So uh, culture wars. Um, If we look at these layers or value sets that Claire Graves has in his model, we can see that what we call culture wars is really a war between the different value sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, that also applies to the term generation gap that we've often heard mm-hmm. used over the years is, oh, it's the generation gap, it's the old versus the new. But in fact, what it what it really comes down to is the different value sets as people are developing, growing through these layers of consciousness and, and different value sets emerge, whether they be biased towards individual living or communal living, alternatively as we go up. And mm-hmm. uh, as an example of some of those, we see, uh, and this is most obvious, in the, the family dynamic, when kids are growing up and they're growing into their teenage years and they move into that rebellious, I egocentric yeah. uh, value set, me. which is three on Graves' model, uh, and they're protesting against the, the earlier layer two values, uh, and uh, that you know, obviously, that, there's a clash there, and then beyond that. Uh, we grow from that egocentric into the authoritarian we-oriented value set where we look for some set of rules to live life by and we tend to become rather fanatical about those rules and it's a rather rigid uh, adherence to the rules. And then that rigid authoritarian value set then uh, clashes with the the rebellious I value set. Uh, And then, of course, moving into... um, So the authoritarian is layer four and then layer five, which is the enterprising or scientific industrial value set is an I set I oriented set again and it clashes with the old we authoritarian values which tend to be rigid and therefore bureaucratic and the, the enterprising wants to be flexible uh, and uh, have freedom of movement you know in its exploitative enterprising way of living and so they clash there and through the modern scientific industrial area there's been a a big, consistent push to try and stamp out bureaucracy. Mm. You know, get rid of these rigid real sets. We need the freedom Mm. to do what we need to do.
0: No government. And that's sort of the extreme of the libertarian movement in in the US. We see a similar sort of thing here. Yeah. And of course, we've got a new uh, culture
1: war emerging now with this emerging green or layer six set of values, which is very humanistic. So focusing on the human experience and the values associated with that and wanting to allow that to be what it wants to be. Uh, and it's very network centric um, which which has a really more freedom of movement in a network sense than the old multiplistic scientific industrial value set does but in a very different way with with different motivations yeah. uh, and we're seeing you know this this push for human freedom um, clashing with the older scientific industrial
0: values yeah. yeah. Some of those, uh, we have a chart here, we, The uh, you're talking about it now, maybe it's good to go through that, just briefly, the relationship between multiplistic and relativistic, uh, just some of those points here, multiplistic, the layer 5, being driven by personal ambition, Yes. and yeah. relativistic being driven by human connection, Yeah. where knowledge is power in the multiplistic, knowledge is shared in the relativistic.
1: Yeah, big difference there. You know, mm. and That's one of the things that we're seeing a lot of conflict around at the moment is the that the restriction of power has really been beneficial for the old paradigm it's in fact if you take that restriction of power away they lose their power so there's a you know they're massively trying to hold on to that with all of the surveillance state stuff is you know if i know more about you than you think i know then i'm going to have power over you and the same with
0: fake news i guess because if you can perpetrate fake news out there then uh, you're not sharing the right power no one knows actually what the truth is. it's a
1: restriction of the truth yeah Yeah, exactly a restriction of the truth in order to have power over and I, i often compare that whole mindset to a poker game, it's a really good yes. analogy. You know, uh, you can't show your, put- your, your cards in a hand of poker, otherwise you'll lose your power in the mm. game. The, gra- the game actually collapses and that's one of the key dynamics which is collapsing the, the scientific industrial paradigm is the connectedness of our modern technology is basically making everything visible where it wasn't visible before and that's undermining the power of the, the whole paradigm. Mm.
0: Some of the other points uh, for the multiplistic Uh, which we're moving out of uh, to find the best option in relativistic in layer six it finds the balance Yeah. Uh, from the competitive in layer five to the cooperative in layer six pretty obvious Uh, in layer five wants short-term rewards we see this of course everywhere in our society now And in relativistic, wanting sustainability, long-term stability, which uh, is a a wonderful goal, but probably unlikely to happen very shortly. A
1: great example of that is if we look at our economic systems Mm -hmm. under the old paradigm, it's, okay, you don't have the money, that's fine. We'll give you credit and you can have it now anyway. Uh, And of course, that simply isn't sustainable, we've found over time. And so this is part of the push by the, the emerging paradigm is actually, look, these things are not sustainable. We have to change things that aren't sustainable.
0: Apparently, actually, when you say that, I, I heard a report the other day about some of these short term lenders at ridiculous interest rates 20 25% a week or a month or something like that. And they used to. Uh um, you know, I think they're called payday loans in America. Where yeah. basically, if you don't have enough money, they'll lend you five hundred bucks for a week or two. Yeah. You, know, you pay back eight hundred or something like that. Yeah. But now they've jumped another level where they're actually loaning five thousand dollars to people who simply cannot, will not, uh, and totally incapable of actually paying that money back within a reasonable time timeframe. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and this dynamic, of course, of course, was the, the a major cause of the uh, global financial crisis. Indeed. we had not all that long ago and uh it's a general pattern if you look at the way that the modern scientific industrial mind works uh, you get these rhythms of boom and bust in society yeah. which which are, you know people have kind of just come to accept as normal mm. uh, but it's only normal within that scientific mm. industrial way of thinking
0: because it's a constructed way of actually for a small percentage of people to win it, I guess, it, it is. essentially yeah it is and it it comes
1: down to this tendency or even compulsion to push things to their limits, to find where the limit is because you want to maximize everything. You know, the, the key driver is about success, personal success, and in order to succeed, I have to push everything as far as I can, and the only way that you find out how far you can push things is to push them until they break, right, and then back off and then start again. And, and that's what creates this boom and bust pattern that we see in the stock
0: markets and many other aspects of modern scientific industrial living. Mm-hmm. Another a couple of points here, uh, layer five, climbs hierarchies layer six flattens hierarchies now this is also very interesting isn't it because, it's a big uh, one it's a very big one yeah it's it has a, a big lot one. of inferences that's right for the uh, future uh, and you know
1: it's there it's it's really a reaction to the impact of layer five in that we've seen <laughs> uh, the centralization of power and the construction of hierarchies within society and the outcome of that has been this massive imbalance in or between the successful which is a small percentage yep. and the unsuccessful absolutely in, in the race to succeed
0: and we are seeing of course that some of those hierarchies are being seen for what they are and this is of course given hierarchy a bad name for, for fairly good reason in terms of this structure we're seeing the uh, you know the banking royal Commission in Australia is a, is a good example of this yes uh, the the whole um, um, uh, Royal Commission into the institutional response to child sexual abuse is another one where we've seen that the Catholic Church and many other institutions l- looking at after our young people have been uh, uh, you know, well criminal yeah. in their activities from the top down and many other examples of this so slowly but surely we we're, we're these uh, these hierarchies that have been revealed many of them for what they are they are yeah um, one of the dangers in this yeah. shift
1: is throwing the baby out with the bathwater though because what we're we're looking at from the modern scientific industrial era are dominant hierarchies where there's been exploitation and, and that desire to exploit is, is a, a natural aspect of the scientific industrial mindset uh, and of course it's been damaging and we see the damage um, but there are of course there is such a thing as uh, a nurturing hierarchy and a, a good example of that is yeah. a, is a feminine example where you've yeah. got like a mother and child yes, which yes. is clearly a hierarchy but it's a nurturing hierarchy yeah. and so in the, the shift between five and six uh, we need to be careful that we, sure, uh, rebalance things so we don't have these imbalanced dominant hierarchies within society, but don't lose the nurturing mm. hierarchies.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. Uh, another point is that that uh, Layer 5 does what's necessary, and this is a big one, and we see this everywhere, whereas Layer 6 is looking to serve the greater good. Yeah. Um, and with that, uh, 5 uses nature as a resource. We all know that pretty well. And 6, of course, is attempting profoundly and deeply to reconnect with nature in various ways.
1: That's right. And it's interesting to look how you get these knock-on effects, you know, as we shift from one paradigm into the next. A lot of the next paradigm is about rejection of what seemed to go wrong with the previous paradigm. Yes. And so if we go back to, to layer four, the authoritarian agricultural mindset, which was very rigid in its way of thinking, because it had this rigid set of rules that had to be followed and the ethics were very, very clear... And then when that collapsed in terms of its global dominance, what happened was that you know people looked at that rigidity and said, "No, we've got to get away from that rigidity. We have to have much more freedom." And so uh, we, and this was also connected with the the shift in understanding of um, the fact that we can actually. Discover information ourselves. In the old uh, mm. a- agricultural authoritarian yeah. mindset, was very
0: religious uh, in, in its yeah. way. A couple of thousand um, years ago, someone came down from a mountain yeah. with a bunch of tablets, that's and that's right. the rule. That's so it.
1: There was, and it, Graves called it authoritarian because there's always a higher authority which yeah. lays down the rules. Yeah. You know, and of course, as we moved into the modern scientific of industrial. With the scientific revolution came this realisation that oh we can figure things out for ourselves. We don't actually have to rely on some higher authority to tell us what what is. Mm. We can go and experiment and find out for ourselves. And so, with that came the desire to want to write our own rule set and and write our own values. And and what that eventually became, as as it played out through time, is what's ethical in the modern scientific industrial mind is whatever's necessary
0: to be successful. Mm. It's important here too, as you're speaking, because the difference between when we use the word values and the word ethics or morals is quite significant. Here is that they're not the same thing.
1: No, they're not the same
0: thing. Um, Values,
1: in the context of developmental psychology, Mm. uh, the word means the things that we place value on and the things that um, that are you know primary drivers for our behaviour. Whereas uh, ethics generally is a socially accepted norm. A constructed norm within particular societies or groups. Exactly, exactly. And because it is socially constructed, it, you tend to see those things play out more in the we oriented paradigms. Yeah. So the, the, the early tribal or what plays out currently as, as family values or um, the authoritarian. Uh, agricultural, you know, social, we-oriented rule set, and now once again we're emerging into another we-community-oriented rule set, which is the the sixth layer. So again, we're seeing a return to the importance of ethics uh, that that kind of went by the wayside, you know, during the modern scientific industrial era. Mm. Just just as um, societies were deconstructed, families were deconstructed in that individually-oriented era. And we saw the, I mean, it was famously discussed the uh, destruction of the nuclear family.
0: Yeah, well, I think the average marriage in Australia lasts seven years now. And of course, when I was... Yeah, 30, 40 years younger, the average marriage probably lasted a quarter of a century here, if not longer. And that's so right. That's a huge change in a generation or two.
1: That's right. And, and in terms of social organisation, you know, power was centralised. And so a lot of the activity and the power in a city went into the central business mm. district rather than being out in the suburbs. And so we're seeing a reversal of that trend now with the decentralisation of power once again, the rebuilding of local communities. And there's a strong desire to want to try and recreate this sense of a village mm. You know, where you know everybody, you know the people who are selling your stuff, so they're not going to rip you off. You can trust them. You know, you get your food grown locally. You know that it's been looked after. It hasn't got poisons on it and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a big, strong uh, yeah. trend there. Um, and an interesting little precinct that's emerged here in Byron Bay called the Habitat out in, yes. the, in the edge of the industrial estate there where they've created that essentially a little village uh, with that's got accommodation on site. It's got local shops. It's got, you know, local eatery and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of that. Yeah, indeed.
0: For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on BayFM. Steve McDonald, Nick Jeans, through to 11 o'clock this morning. And uh, we, we're talking particularly right now about culture wars and how that factors into the collapse and renewal of different layers as we move from one to the other, particularly from five to six in uh, Claire W. Graves' work. Yeah, I was giving some examples of uh, how the
1: successive value sets as we evolve or develop through these layers uh, tend to reject the previous values and we have these uh, culture clashes which are often called generation gap uh, issues. And uh, it's not always I versus we or we versus I in terms of the the community oriented or individually oriented value set. Sometimes it can be we versus we. uh, And a a great example of that from our times is the clash of different religions, um, where, uh, you know, the the set of. fundamentalist beliefs are used as a justification for warfare Mm. but uh, often those things are kind of appropriated by other value systems as well so you might get like a a layer three eye oriented uh, person who grabs hold of the layer four uh, excuses you know uh, know, this is the way it it should be and therefore that gives me justification to go and fight so it's complex but but certainly you do get uh, the pure clashes between um, different religious beliefs you know which is a boat then they're both we oriented value systems and you can get clashes between I versus I uh, oriented value systems as well so um, it's complex as, yeah. it, as it usually uh, shows up <laughs>
0: Um, Learn to love the complexity, folks. Yeah, Learn so, to love the complexity.
1: So you mentioned the, the simultaneous collapse and renewal, and that's yeah. going to be a feature of the next few decades as mm. we're seeing the old systems collapse at the same time as the emergence of um, these new, more complex values which are built around new, more complex social structures and more efficient technology that's uh, constructed you know, in, in network-centric ways. And I think we had a, a question come in, Nick, on the text line about uh, parallels with the climate issue.
0: Yes, I mean, simple question about how this uh, this change uh, factors in to the way that climate change, uh, the climate change issue, the climate crisis, uh, how does climate crisis fit in with this change, is, is the question.
1: Yeah. So. Um, we're doing our best on this program to talk from a second-tier perspective, with an understanding that everything is connected in some way. So nothing really stands in isolation. We live in a world made up of complex systems, which themselves are connected in a system, you know, to system way, a systemic way. And so the, the uh, perspective that we're attempting to uh, provide on this program is a systemic. Perspective where Mm. we're looking at complex systems and we're looking at how these complex systems interact with each other and together make up a systemic reality um, without boundaries, really. And we can look at, there's, there's a number of things which are undergoing significant and chaotic change at the moment. You know, one of them is uh, we're going through what looks like another major species extinction on the planet, mm. and it's the sixth that we've managed to, uh, to document, yep. uh, or at least understand from the evidence that remains. And what's happened in the previous five extinctions is that there's been a renewal of life after the extinction. So there's been a major die-off with the loss of some species, and then consequently there's been a rapid expansion once again of life on the planet. And so this seems to be a very complex system which is playing itself out in a regular way and in, and in the same way, although right at the moment there's a tendency because of these the, the prominence of layer six values, there's a tendency to blame human activity on, on this particular mass extinction. And no doubt we play a part because we're a part of the complex system and we have an impact on the planet. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I think it's, it's uh, taking it a little bit too far to say that we've caused it because this is simply a, a regular process which happens on the planet. And, uh, and, of course, it impacts us. Yeah. Um, and it's adding to this evolutionary tension, which is shifting our own consciousness, mm. just as uh, climate change is. And once again, if we look back through history, we can see that the planet goes through regular changes of climate patterns. And um, often when we go through an ice age, Uh, effectively what that does is it's like changing the water in a fish tank so you get the freezing up of a whole bunch of water the changing of climate patterns on the planet and then after an ice age typically what you get is an explosion of new species marine species which comes out of the southern hemisphere out of the antarctic comes out
0: of it which is extraordinary isn't it? that uh, that life is generated from the antarctic or originally it wildlife. is extraordinary yeah. yeah and i think
1: you know that's only a relatively recent, Very scientific recent. understanding yes, and indeed. Uh,
0: we we kind of made the assumption before
1: that because the tropics were warm and the waters were warm, mm. That would be they would be more abundant in terms of species. But in fact, it looks like the, the Antarctic waters are more abundant.
0: Someone once said to me uh, recently that, you know, if you live in the tropics, you're not like to go to war. It's too easy living there. And there's a sort of similar thing. Like not right. Not much change needs to happen if you live in a very comfortable tropical environment, generally speaking, in the past anyway.
1: And that's a wonderful example of life conditions, which yes. are really the driver of change for us. Mm. You know, it's our consciousness adapts to the life conditions. When we can cope and things are comfortable, we don't need to change. When things... Become uncomfortable and we feel like we can't cope, that's when our consciousness will shift and adapt uh, to, to new levels of values. And so, um, you know, on top of the the species extinction and the climate change that's happening, and, and for those of you who, who haven't heard us talk before about climate change, we often talk on this show about uh, the long term trend towards a mini ice age. Mm-hmm uh which is connected with grand solar minimum which is a period that's commencing uh really around 2020 and yeah. running through about 2055 where the sun will go to an extreme low level of activity
0: which has been recorded in uh in uh, our um history in yeah geographical right our the Help me out here. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, there's
1: lots of evidence. There's oh, lots of evidence like that actually saying, we've yes. been through this yeah. many, many times before, yeah. and it's
0: quite clear that these uh, rhythms uh, do occur and have uh, instigated climate change uh, yeah. of uh, yeah. ice ages before and other other climate um, That's rhythms. Right. And it's also recorded in our previous podcast. If you want to get back listen. which <laughs> <laughs> you can get on, on iTunes or any other podcast platform that you might uh, you might uh, use. That's right. And and connected with that also, if we want to take a really
1: large perspective, is uh, NASA's uh, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 uh, exploratory spacecraft which have been sent out to the boundaries of our solar system so if you can imagine our solar system as a dynamic system that's spiralling through the galaxy and uh, being led by the motion of our local star, our sun with the planets spiralling around the sun as we travel quite quickly through uh, Beautiful graphic. If you haven't one of the seen spiral that. arms of yes. our, our galaxy yeah. uh, and we are Um, the information that we're getting back from the lead Voyager spacecraft is that the interstellar space, so that spacecraft has actually reached the bow wave of our solar system. So, yeah. a, you know, our our sun has a, a solar wind, which which comes off it, of course. And as we're punching through the galaxy, that creates like a bow wave. You know, it's like a ship yeah. moving through the water. Yeah. Beautiful. And beyond that bow wave is interstellar space, where where there's interstellar weather and different movements of energy. Where we are heading, and and so we are uh, getting information showing that where where we seem to be. Around about the edge of a local cloud, which we've been flying through, and we're moving into either a gap between clouds or another. Uh, a cloud which is in close vicinity to the solar system at the moment and what that means is that we're going to be subject to a different quality of interstellar weather and one of the main issues around that is the impact of cosmic radiation on our solar system and our planet yeah. and uh, there are scientific connections there to uh, cloud formation on the planet so the the more impact we have of uh, cosmic radiation the more cloud seeding happens from the ionized particles that are connected with the cosmic uh, rays uh, and of course, that has a cooling effect on the planet, which links back to our climate cycles and uh, the, the um, coming mini ice age, which we believe the scientific evidence is pointing to, contrary to the, the, the common global warming discussion which is
0: happening. Although, as we said, the term global warming, as you probably know out there, folks, if you're, if you're plugged into everything, is a term that's not being used as much. The term climate change is being used, which is certainly true. There is certainly climate change. But which direction that climate change is going and where... Uh, it's not a linear, all-encompassing uh, all, all encompassing factor on the planet. No, if, if
1: we look at all of these systems that we're talking about, they are complex adaptive systems, yeah. and complex adaptive systems don't change in linear ways. Mm. They, they typically take a, a spiraling uh, mm. progression. Yeah. And so uh, when a complex system goes through change, it doesn't just change to being warm and then continue to get warmer for the next 10 years. It actually cycles through... Uh, being warm and cold in in terms of the climate uh, pattern
0: I just want to uh, we mentioned off air today too uh, there's someone I've been looking at recently a young doctor from America called Zach Bush MD Zach Bush Uh, you should check him out Uh, And I watched an interview the other day with him and a couple of things that he said, one of them was that, uh, because this notion that we're trying to save the planet has always troubled me a little bit. And I think a lot of people are moving away from that. Yes, there is a sixth extinction, uh, arguably, in place. And certainly we are part of that. We may well be one of the species that becomes extinct if we don't get our act together here, for sure. But he said it's not about the planet. You know, if, if all the people in New York City left tomorrow... Within two weeks, we would see uh, nature move back in. Within two months, two years, 20 years, we would see a complete transformation. Nature would regenerate and, and produce new species to accommodate and to adapt to the system that was, uh, that was new without us here. So that's, that's, uh, you know, that's undeniably the case. And uh, the planet, I feel, anyway, my, my view is the planet itself will be fine. Our position on the planet is really at play here and how we actually deal with being on this planet now, moving into the future, and now that we have this global perspective.
1: Yeah. And one of the key things that came out of Claire Graves' research is that human consciousness is adaptive to the complexity of our life conditions. And so what we're seeing at the moment is this uh, synchronistic alignment of change within a whole series of systems within our life conditions from... Uh, at, the, at the sort of largest scale, that we we um, are connected with the movement of our solar system through the galaxy, mm. changing that that uh, impact of cosmic weather on our solar system and on our on our planet, uh, the consequential change in the climate system on our planet, mm. and um, shifts in uh, species and you know the way that species are adapting to the, to those changes on mm. the planet, and all part of ongoing cycles of collapse and renewal which are just uh, the rhythm of life, basically. Can
0: I also mention to you, i and maybe get a perspective on this too, because we're talking here about how we influence the planet. And one of the things that Zach Bush, this young doctor, was talking about also was the influence of glyphosate which of course is known as roundup it's still sold in bunnings here I notice uh, and his uh, hypothesis very briefly is that America basically has poisoned itself with glyphosate over over the last 50 years or so we're seeing a huge e- expansion of, of mental health issues in, in America uh, he claims that one in three um, babies born within the next uh, generation will have be on the on the spectrum on the autism spectrum and uh, it's not the only factor, of course, but considering that uh, it, that this substance is now in the food chain everywhere, and now that China is using a huge amount of glyphosate themselves, so his theory is that we're actually driving ourselves mad—a bit similar to the Romans with lead in their pipes back then, their water pipes. Interesting parallel. It's yeah, an interesting yeah. parallel indeed, and I think there's a there's a lot of uh, meat on that particular bone. Sorry, vegans, uh, but and what do you what do you think about that in terms of how we're influencing the planet? Because maybe that's a much more—we're actually poisoning ourselves. Well, that we may, are. That yeah. May be the real issue here,
1: yeah, and I think you know this is all part of the evolutionary tension, which is uh, providing momentum for change. Absolutely, the realization, and and this is the way that paradigms play out again in this pattern of expansion and contraction. Expansion mm. and contraction is we move to a new way of living; it expands out of the collapse of the previous way of living, and you know brings us to a point of fullness, just in the same way that the the seasons go through. You mm. know winter spring summer autumn winter it's it's the same kind of a cycle of expansion you had to think about that didn't you <laughs> I, I did i had to get them in the right order you know, you know yeah
0: it, it's it, we're spoiled living in a place where you don't really notice the seasons so really right. much not like other yeah, places we were in melbourne the other down. day and that was that was like one day it was 35 next day it was 11. yeah i know um another text here do you want to sure look at this uh, thanks for this text and there's some interesting pieces in here thanks for this uh, yeah. He or she says, I believe there is an expansion of what is a narrow band of naturally occurring growth in mutual telepathic empathy. Capitalistic, arseholistic, and we had to look at that word up. It means basically arseholes. Capitalistic, arseholistic individuals lack, generally speaking, empathy, as they once again, generally speaking, are me, me, me. That was a song I played before from the Beatles, Army Me, Mine, for that. Um Life, I believe, most probably will be segmented by multiple levels of emotional type people sharing telepathic empathy to drive these assholeistic people to a compliant level for the good of all on what is now a very unbalanced world universe. Hmm. I think that's a very interesting text.
1: Thank you for that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things uh, that we can unpack from that. One is the, the obvious uh, acceptance of a, a new set of values that are emerging, a new way of being human which includes the expansion of our sensory perception. And I I think, although there's still not a lot of good science around this, I think if we look at the progression through these... uh, value systems will find that our centric perception our capacity to perceive and make sense of complexity expands as we move through them i mean i guess you can see that just in when you look at the development of a person from childhood through to an adult how they when they as they mature they become more aware of emotions and uh, yes. you know if they have a healthy developmental process they become more able to manage uh, the complexity of um, Interactions mm-hmm. with other people, relationships, those sorts of things. And so, what we're seeing at a species level is as we move into this sixth layer, we are actually developing uh, expanded sensory perception. And part of that is this, particularly emotional intelligence. It seems to be prominent in this sixth layer uh, where we're able to perceive more. And, you know, some people are reporting this mm-hmm. uh, essentially telepathic capacity to try and sense. You know what, or to be able to sense what's going on for another person mm. without having to, to verbalise it, I think that's really interesting. Also in the the text there was the clear re- rejection of the old paradigm, uh, using that amazing new word I probably out of the urban dictionary. Ah, uh, That's it. Um, and, and so that is also a very prominent aspect of this paradigm shift: is this strong rejection of the old way as being inadequate no longer any good we should chuck it out and uh, you know rehash the whole way that we live and we're going to see much more of this and it's one of the things that is going to create a lot of turbulence during this global shift from the modern side of industrial into what's next is this strong rejection of the old way and it's already playing itself out very strongly we've seen things like the um, the Um, movement, you know, the 1% versus the 99% movement Mm. in the US. Recently the Yellow
0: Jacket movement in France for example, also a bit of it here too similar sort of thing. All all of that kind Mm. of
1: stuff and we can expect to see more of that. In fact um, some of the sources that uh, I follow and particularly Martin Armstrong who's an economic forecaster uh, are predicting uh, a lot of social violence over the uh, next few years and he Martin Armstrong is an interesting character. You know, a lot of what he's he's publishing his predictions are not actually coming from him personally. They're coming from a computer algorithm which is constructed, which mm. has been very useful and accurate for predicting market movements over the
0: years. Which he ended up in jail for some years ago because yeah. the government didn't like the fact that he could predict things so well using his algorithm. That's
1: right. They accused him of fraud, but he was never convicted on. Yes. And he was only convicted of. Um, contempt of court because he refused to hand over his software. Um, But uh, what he's saying is that, uh, and he's noticed over the years that his computer software reports cycles that actually align with things like the solar activity cycles, which is very interesting. So that's some verification of the the usefulness of his work. Uh, But he's suggesting that uh, uh, confidence in government took a downturn according to his uh, computer program in late 2017, and that's certainly been evident. If yeah. we look around the world, everybody's having less confidence in the capacity of our political leaders and our government. I mean, in been, general. It's to been managers. building
0: for a while that one, but I think clearly in the last couple of years we've been a There was huge, a milestone. There's a yeah. milestone. Yeah, there something's was a, actually happened from many point. people. that have gone like, I don't trust these institutions anymore. No. No, that's right. And with mm. the federal elections coming up in 2020 in yeah. the
1: US and all of the issues around the 2016 elections, the mm. you know uh, manipulation of social media mm. through Cambridge Analytica, mm. all of that kind stuff is going to mean that by the time the 2020 elections come around, people are going to have even less confidence in the democratic process. And uh, he's suggesting, uh, or his computer program is suggesting that there'll be a surge in violence following the US elections because people won't accept the outcome regardless of what that outcome might be. Uh, And I think that uh, that kind of dynamic is not necessarily restricted to the US. This is a, a general indicator of the, the tension, the evolutionary tension around this shift that we're going through um, and it's, it's uh, you know, we're likely to see things get worse in that respect before they start to get better again. I, I do think we're very lucky here in Australia that we have a relatively stable society here and probably won't feel the, the pain as much as other countries.
0: Yeah. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. Yes. Oh, good morning to you again, folks. How are you? I hope you're up. It's looking beautiful out there today, even though it's windy. Uh, The rain has passed, but it's coming back again. Um, We're in the last 20 minutes of the show here. Future Sense with uh, Steve and Nick. And thanks for your text. Another text, uh, just an interesting one. I would say that extrasensory perception, says the writer, is intrinsic to level two. I guess we mean tier two. So it's not a new thing.
1: Um, I... I I think that might be in level two. Uh, yeah,
0: uh, which is the uh, uh, tribal. tribal yeah, yeah, okay. Traditional tribal. So what you mean, yeah. Suzanne? Thanks for in. I,
1: I think there's uh, cycling
0: around in a more complex form. She says. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, absolutely true. So as we move through these alternating value sets, which are individualistic and alternatively communal. During the individual-oriented value sets, and the modern scientific industrial has been one of those, our focus is on the world outside of us, and we want to change the world to fit with what we need. Yeah. Okay, So it tends to be more materialistic uh, and externally focused, whereas in the communal, we-oriented value sets, Uh, And they have been the traditional tribal, the the agricultural authoritarian, and now the emerging sixth humanitarian Mm -hmm. network-centric. The focus is internal. So we look to... Uh, in in the inside of ourselves and ask ourselves how should I adapt to the world rather than how should I change the world to fit me which is the opposite right so in this um, internal searching we become more aware of our internal capacities and so I would say that the the awareness of and reliance on that kind of non-verbal communication uh, certainly is more prominent during the we oriented systems in which we're moving back into at the moment so I think there's Definitely truth in that, and and, uh, the listeners also said quite rightly that these are um, gradually growing in their complexity and capacity as we go up the scale, and so what's emerging now will be more complex, more complete than the earlier stage or earlier layer.
0: I'm I'm thinking, uh, as you're speaking, to particularly between layer 4 and 6, the emerging green stage now, layer now, is uh, this this turning inwards in in a sense in uh, in the earlier layer in four in the authoritarian we turn inwards, but in some sense it's the reference to the the rules and uh, yeah. ethics of the values of the godhead, for example, that we're looking at. How can I become more like you know Jesus, for example? Yeah, that's right. Very how, simply, you know,
1: how how can I change myself to, to fit with this rule? to fit with those rules? Yeah.
0: Whereas in six we're seeing uh, I think a, a lot of real. Quite deep psychological work that people are venturing into themselves, one way or the other. Yeah, and often, you know, it's it's a bit of a maybe a bit of a delusion. It's a, it's a tricky space to enter. Of course, you need guidance. You need set and setting again. But it is that sort of self exploration of how can I actually? change myself to fit into this global perspective now into the into the, the tribe of, of uh, the planetary tribe
1: yeah that's right and there's a lot more freedom now than there was in the fourth layer the fourth was very rigid and it was tied to a particular authoritarian mm-hmm. way yeah and we had the the freedom given to us by this modern scientific industrial we busted out of that we freed ourselves from the bonds of, of that you know rigid religious kind of thinking yeah. and now because these systems are all laid on top of each other we're layered another we-oriented system on top of the freedom that we got out of that modern scientific scientific, industrial and its revolutions, right? So we're doing the same again, but we're doing it in a much more complex and a much more free way where, for example, we're free to investigate Multiple different spiritual paths, yeah. and and even to start to think about how do they, how are these connected? You know, well, yeah. let's have a look at Buddhism and Christianity and yeah. something else, Taoism, Islam, or something, and just find what's common across these different belief systems, and then weave our own understanding based. And on Of course, that.
0: people like um, I'm thinking of Osho, um, Sri Bagwan, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh was very yeah. good at uh, at uh, integrating yes. uh, Eastern, Western, Western psychology, Eastern mysticism, for example. That's right. Mm. Yeah, I, I've read a couple
1: of Osho's books, and mm. and I've seen very 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 clearly second tier conscious capacity yeah. within his writings there and his capacity to integrate these things yeah. bring together things which are you know traditionally quite separate and yeah. very hard to to integrate yeah. uh, socially, you know, he brought them together and wove them together, and and uh, you know managed risk around that.
0: And- yeah, and interesting too because like, he created forms, structures, uh, communities, practices, which uh, I guess are very much uh, layer six green to to help facilitate these. He did, He uh, did do uh, that. Capacities and, in people.
1: And it's and when he got sick and was mm. no longer actively involved. He, he'd, what he'd created was a very integrated and complex system and it fell apart because there was no one with that advanced capacity to manage it when he wasn't
0: actively involved I'm sure there are plenty of scientists out there who would disagree that it fell apart but that <laughs> data side, well, but, yeah,
1: well, yeah, I don't mean fell apart completely yeah, like yeah. It, obviously it, dis- it didn't disappear but there was a great amount of chaos which emerged Absolutely. out of that his Richard. absence uh, Just
0: quickly, it, thanks yeah. to your email, your uh, text um, uh, saying, well, wow, beautiful rendition of Sounds of Silence uh, who was that please? That was Pentatonix and uh, she says, also says, great show, guys. Thank you very much. Um, we're nearly at the end of the show. We wanted to we're touch on there. some of these relativistic themes uh, of this emerging layer six green. Uh, yeah, some of the things
1: that are that are in play during mm. this big shift that we're going through, uh, and they include uh, first of all the the challenge of an increasing diversity of values on the planet. So each time a new paradigm emerges, it, it adds one more set of values that we have to try and. <laughs> manage, you know, because we've, we've, the more people we've got on the planet who are living from different value sets, the more complexity it creates in trying to, for example, you know, please a, a community and yeah. those sorts of things. And so we're adding a sixth now yeah. uh, on top of the previous five, yeah. and uh, that in itself is creating more challenge challenges for us. And, it, and it's going to eventually, it's it's kind of like the, the last straw that's going to create so much evolutionary tension, it's going to tip us into second tier. You know, It has to play out over the next couple of decades, but it's this sixth layer is going to be the last straw. It's like the cherry on top of the cake that makes it all collapse kind of thing, uh, and something new and, and vastly um, more capable is going to emerge. So that's interesting. On top of that, uh, we've got um, disruptive technologies. So uh, taking away in the background, we've got this smaller percentage of second-tier consciousness, which is already existing on the planet, which is starting to produce some exponential technologies uh, in which increase our capacity to do things exponentially mm. uh, and those things are, are real wild cards and and there's a bunch of them like yeah. there's just not one or two there's a yes. whole bunch of you talk about
0: um, we've talked about blockchain for example, the Internet of things yeah the Internet
1: of things you mm. know robotics uh, potential free energy devices yes, which will be a huge change just for the free energy massively during, disruptive moves, yep. massively, yeah. uh, autonomous machines. Vehicles and aircraft and, and even weapons and things. Mm. Uh, 3D printing, which is going to—it's completely- yeah, not all
0: good, folks. Of course, we've got—we're re- in early stages of this e- evolution and development. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, you know, it's—it's it's the, the the perceived good and bad comes through yeah. our own value sets of and course. also our own capacity as humans to manage how we use the mm. technology. Yeah. Uh, 3D printing, which is going to massively disrupt uh, manufacturing industries and also uh, shipping and transport industries. Uh, Quantum computing, um, God, who knows where that's going to take us, um, and revolutions in biotech Mm, and CRISPR technology. technology, Yeah. Yeah, All that kind of stuff. Uh, And uh, the continued development of artificial intelligence and enhanced intelligence, like augmented intelligence. And I can almost
0: hear many of you out there going, oh, oh no, not that, not that. And fair enough, because these technologies are truly disruptive on a level that we've never seen before on this planet. They are. So some of
1: the things that the sixth layer is going to bring include mm-hmm. a way of uh, reorganizing our social structures, which is going to be able to cope with greater complexity. And that is, of course, the network-centric way, where we build uh, a trusted social network around ourselves, immerse us in that. And then we use our, the, the enhanced uh, intelligence of the network uh, so we're moving beyond just our individual intelligence but tapping into the intelligence and the, net, uh, the network around us and all mm-hmm. of trusted people uh, to help us solve more complex problems. And so that is going to bring relief to many of the the issues that have been created out mm-hmm. of the modern scientific industrial way of living. And interestingly, we're also going to see, you know, if we look at the the nature of layer six, it, it is somewhat paradoxical in that, it is very open hearted and accepting and um, permissive in the way that it likes to organize itself, but it also has boundaries. Uh, you know, it's not a completely open kind of way of living, although it, would, it will tell you that it is, but it, it has boundaries around itself and it wants to primarily hang out with like minded people, mm. which is a natural human thing.
0: As you're saying that, I'm thinking also that it it has, so to speak, boundary issues, like the issues about boundary and consent yes. are very big at this time yes. in many different fields of endeavour and human experience.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's true. That's mm. another emerging trend. Yeah. So what we are going to see, and this is also tied in with the diversity of values of having six different value sets operating on scale on mm. the planet, is that uh, I'm I'm predicting we're going to see the growth of like-minded communities where people with a particular value set will gather together and and attempt to create uh, essentially an an attempt at a utopian type of community. We're going to see more of that.
0: Including, and it's not what you're talking about, but it's another expression of it A report in the ABC and other places, doomsday uh, preppers heading underground as bunker bunker economy enters mainstream society. There's a lot of people, particularly in the US, libertarian-focused people who are putting themselves underground because they've got yeah. the money to do so. That's an interesting tribal collection, isn't it? It is interesting. And
1: that's an example of the regression. Yeah, exactly. so, so it's looking after yourself, right? Yes, so yeah. that's an eye-oriented mm. thing. Mm. And it's it's you know looking backwards. How can I find a set of values that's going to help me cope with this increased complexity? Because the current values aren't working. I'm I'm actually so scared. I'm going to have to you know just look mm. after myself and build a bunker and go hide in that until well, something changes. One of the
0: guys in this uh, in this story says a very telling thing to me, and that is, is I, I'm doing this because I don't know what's true anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's. Uh, That's not an uncommon theme, I think, for many people on the planet, right? No, you're
1: right. And it's also, it's another symptom of the collapse of a value set. So when, as individuals, we go through this change, um, what happens is we find that the values we've been living life by, which are, well, like our anchor points, right, they don't bloody work anymore. (laughs) Things aren't working. I'm not coping. And therefore, these things that I've relied on as my anchor points, the things that I value, they actually, I have to cut loose from those. And and that's a very very scary thing to do, and inevitably you you start to cut loose from them before you really find out where your next anchor points are. You know, it's kind of, so it's kind of like climbing up a mountain, and you know you you put those little yeah. uh, things into the rocks and anchor yourself down. But you you get to the point where you can't actually go anywhere without getting rid of all your anchor points and climbing. You know, with, without being anchored for a while, and that's typically the experience as we go through the change process during a transformational shift of values. Is we find ourselves in the middle of the change process, cut loose with nothing to guide ourselves by, Uh, and it's during that time where um, altered state experiences and the capacity for insights become very important to support our um, movement through the change process so that we can start to get a glimpse of what's next, where we should be headed, how we should start moving forward in order to find and grab hold of what those next values Mm. are going to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a couple of other things that we can expect to see growing uh, during this transition time are um, the use of trusted social networks. Mm. very, very important. Mm. And, and you can see at the moment the pushback against networks that can't be trusted, like Facebook, for example. Yes. Sure, it's a social network, but can it be trusted? No. Front
0: page of the Sydney Morning Herald this morning, in fact, a story about Facebook's uh, slow, um, you know, well, I don't know. Demise. <laughs> That'll do. Demise. <laughs> and and that you know that is primarily because it's very good for finding people though. No, I know that's why I know. It's the tricky thing. You know, it
1: has its uses. It has its uses. Um, but primarily, what's driving Facebook, the the deep values behind the system, are driven by push marketing, which is a scientific industrial value system. Yes. You know, and and people are rejecting that yes. because it's not honest it's not, open. Well, it's not trusted. It, it can't be trusted it can't be trusted it's, it's not a trusted network exactly yeah. and so you know facebook's on a on a very dangerous trajectory at the moment mm. of uh, eventual collapse for that reason because it's working uh, in conflict with the emerging values yeah. um, decentralization is another big theme you know, the decentralization of power uh, the the relocalization yes. of social structures yeah. Building, lo- rebuilding lo- local villages. You know, we've been there before. We've done it in other times, uh, and we're revisiting that again, but in more complex and capable ways. Yeah.
0: And as global citizens, we're having a global perspective of doing that. Why are we doing that? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah which, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, sustainable
1: ways of living is is a obviously a very clear trend. Things that are planet f- friendly that are that are not just not exploiting the earth, but are actually regenerative and restorative. Uh, to the ecosystems that have obviously been damaged from that earlier, the past era. Yeah. Um,
0: yes. yes, so
1: I think that's not a bad summary.
0: It's a pretty good summary. We do have a, have a slightly left-of-field comment here. It's a, it's a tricky topic, and we don't really have time to explore it and explode it in a big way, and um, you may not like the answer to, to this either. <laughs> um, someone has written in and said, please comment on 5G electromagnetic radiation.
1: Yes. Well, what can we say? Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to understand the implications of it until it is, you know, starts to get rolled out on scale. I mean, I I've read know as many people who have, you know, of the the concerns about it about. Hmm some apparent issues that are arising in on a small scale where it's being trialled.
0: Certainly with uh, wildlife and uh, other species on the planet, there seems to be very clear research. Um, I've had on my other show on North Coast Positive, uh, there's some guys from up Wilson's Creek who are objecting to the 5G tower up there. Very smart, and, uh, uh, Steve Tonoguzo uh, from up there uh, sat here with uh, a raft of, uh, of surveys and and uh, and research papers regarding the impact of five G on on wildlife, for example. So yeah. I think there's some clear I, I think problems there.
1: I think it's smart to be concerned about it. I think it should be monitored very very closely. And one of the the major reasons for concern is is that the rollout of five G is driven by the old paradigm. So it's it's driven by that uh you know pushy exploitative mindset which is um really running to an extreme at the moment and I, i've said before in the program that you could liken the scientific industrial way of living to the way that uh, an engine like a combustion engine operates um, as an engine gets older the the moving parts in the engine like the pistons they start to wear down from friction as they wear down, hmm. initially they'll the, the engine will operate more efficiently because the friction in the engine is being reduced. So the engine will actually produce more power uh, than it normally would as it gets older to a point where the uh, friction starts to break down the the seal and the engine loses compression and then the engine will die very quickly. And we should expect the scientific industrial paradigm to operate the same way. So we're gonna see it accelerate and accelerate and accelerate right to the point where it loses compression and collapses. Uh, And I think that collapse when it comes will be a fairly quick process. And these technologies that are being rolled out like 5G, they're part of that process. So we can expect them to get pushed on as quickly. You know, we we probably won't feel like we've had enough time to understand the dangers until they're already here. Uh, And this is all adding to the evolutionary tension, which is going to make humanity stand up and say, no, things have to be different.
0: Excellent. And thanks for the last text here. Um, Yes, I will pass that on. I don't have that particular song you've asked for. I tried to search for it, couldn't find it just then. Um, But this writer says, and his name is Shane, well done to you and Steve, by the way, for what is a great show, stimulating questions within the listening audience and actually getting answers they can relate to whether those answers be right or wrong. Thanks again to you guys and Bay FM and thank you very much for listening and to all of you listeners out there. That's it for the show. Thanks, Steve. Wonderful. Thanks for that. Be back here next week. Yeah. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.